listening for underneath the listening. So you're listening for words, or you're listening for meaning, or you're listening for feelings. And what's critical is when a person is speaking, are you listening for what it is they want to convey? You know, I can I can repeat back the words somebody is saying, but someone, and then I'll say, is that right? And someone will say, no. And I'll say, but I just repeated everything back to you. I'm, I'm quoting all kinds of situations I've heard over the years. And then you'll say, okay, so say it again. And they say it again. You realize it's the deepest felt emotion that's being conveyed. And that requires a different kind of, of listening, which, which is empathic listening, which is the ability to highlight the emotions as well as the words or the feelings. So you're listening for what somebody is conveying rather than what you think you're hearing. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 656. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Positive Productivity Podcast. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have our guest, Nancy Gordon. She is an associate professor at Selva Regina University and deals a lot with leadership and so much more. But I have to tell you before we even jump into this episode, and you're not going to hear many episodes coming up or you won't have heard much about it in episodes prior to this, we are recording right in the middle of stay home. I don't want to say quarantine. Nancy, what do you feel about the word quarantine? Probably a better word is responsive to the times. Okay, there. Yes. And so listeners, you may hear a little bit of kids in the background on my side today. It's been really quiet on Nancy's side. But one of the things that we talked about right before I pushed record was Nancy said the organic process of life. And I actually added business on because so much of what we do is constantly changing. When we try to write a life script or a business script, so often we find those detours and we wind up on a completely different, I'm not even going to say path, I'm going to say map. (laughs) And we had to figure out where we're going, what we're doing, and the best way to keep our heads on our shoulders. But before we jump into that conversation, now that I have taken a complete detour and probably thrown Nancy through (laughs) a loop, Nancy, welcome so much to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. I know that we both had our little speed bumps that brought us to this day in recording, but I'm so, I know that we were supposed to record today for the conversation that we don't know what we're going to have in just a few minutes. Thanks so much for having me and working with me through our many, I guess, cancellations. So I am delighted to share today with you. Oh, you are so welcome. Nancy, could you share a little bit more about what you do at Salve Regina and a little bit of your background, what brought you here and why you are passionate about what you do? Sure. I suppose it's been a long, circuitous route as it has for many of us. You talked about starting on one map and ending in a different one. Background-wise, I've always been really interested in social change and especially how to bring equity and change to our our communities and our and now our planet, 
And I started out with an interest in international relations. That was where my first map took me. And I thought that, that I would wind up in the foreign service somehow. However, I wound up in Rhode Island, which has no opportunities for any of that kind of work, and began to work in educational systems, working with how to create and develop educational programs that could support people where they are now, but also help them engage in learning that would facilitate growth and change. And that also brought me to a love of, of creating educational programs and especially how to design them, how to work with them. And I finished that sort of process, decided I really needed more education, applied for a doctorate and wound up in a doctorate in education and administration with a focus on organizational, personal and large system change. And that's really been my home. I'm really, I love the work that helps align people with groups, with organizations, with larger systems, so that things can start to move in some kind of an alignment in an organic way. And that got me to Salve Regina University, where I started as an adjunct professor, just learning about teaching group process and things like that. Little by little, as happens to many of us, I wound up as a part-time faculty member, then a full-time faculty member, and then I was asked to develop a department. And the department name, Counseling, Leadership, and Expressive Arts, tells you the sort of interdisciplinary way that we're functioning now in our educational programs. My own specialty is leadership development, and that's pretty much where I've been focusing developing my courses. Does that answer? Do you need more? Oh my gosh. So I'm just flabbergasted because I told you and the listeners have heard time and time again that nothing about this show is prescripted. Nothing about it. And I t- <laughs> I told you before the show that, you know, I was really going to try to not have it be date specific, nothing about the virus and the pandemic. And then I changed my mind a little bit to talk about the kids. And we had no idea that we were going to be recording today. I think we were originally slated to record months ago, and yeah, I canceled. We and we would have never seen this coming. Well, I, no. I wouldn't have. No. But everything that you do can be seen as so timely in this situation and anything similar or not even similar where we have to make sudden or maybe gradual change to the way that we lead, to the way that we work, to the way that we live we have to be leaders of our own lives and of ourselves, and then we can begin to lead the people around us. And that is actually the premise on which the the leadership program at Salve was developed. Hmm. We began to think about how could we create a leadership program that really made sense? And we started looking at the kinds of folks that apply to our other programs, and they were really leaders in their own fields, their own homes, their own communities, and my own philosophy is exactly what you say. First, we have to learn to lead our own selves. We need to be the leaders of our own lives. We need to understand what that means for us. And then we need to see, well, how can we take those gifts and translate them into the work that we want to do or that we love to do or the home that we're creating? Anything that you feel that you can contribute to the world we're in now is what I call leading. I love that 
listening back to old episodes, I'm always amazed by how many times I say I love that because it's not something that comes out of my mouth in day-to-day conversation with my family. Yeah. But I absolutely love that. Right in the pre-chat, and I'm not, I'm sorry, I don't mean to throw you under the bus. I don't think it's really throwing you under the bus, but you (laughs) you were talking about a program that you were preparing. And I don't want to get into specifics about the program, but it was intended at first to be a live program. And then you decided you were questioning whether or not, you know, you're still going to have it. And then you decided, yeah, I'm still going to have it, but it's going to be virtual. And you said, you know, you owe it to the people, but you also owe it to yourself. And that's something that I've had to learn for myself is making promises to other people is one thing, but the promises that I keep to my, or that I make to myself are the most important. If I say that I'm going to get up and ride my bike in the morning, I have to get up and ride my bike in the morning. Yeah, that is so true. It's such an interesting point. Yeah, actually, what what we were talking about was that I'm a teacher who really works highly interactively and love to do that. And this summer, all Salve courses are going to be continued virtual because we don't know what where we're going to be in June. And at first I was thinking, I I don't know that I want to teach that course. I'm, you know, nervous about making that kind of transition. And I decided yesterday I owe it both to my students and myself to make the transition and to teach it. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm amazed by the doors that are opening all over. Right they now. really are. They really are. There's both the challenges of just living today and the opportunities that it affords us to see things differently, to function differently, and to really see that we are all one planet. We are. That's something that we've been talking about in my program for many years, the interdependence between humans and all other beings and the planet itself. And now suddenly people are realizing that's true. Mm -hmm. We are interdependent. We are interrelated as human beings on a planet. And that is coming full force. Yeah. Those who are closest to me have seen that when I get super anxious or stressed, I retract. I don't know if retract is the right word, but I pull back and I enter my shell. I might as well be like a hermit crab. And they know that if they don't get a response from me within a day, she's in her shell. And Mm. I'm really grateful to the people who have called me out on that. I was about to use the four-letter word that started with (laughs) S, but I think you all get the point. Because they have taught me that when I am feeling like that, it is okay and almost crucial isn't even the strongest imperative that I reach out to those who are closest to me and express how I'm feeling and get the support that I need to keep on going forward. Yeah. But for so long, I thought that if I wasn't perfect, if I didn't have everything under control, if I was not okay, then it was not okay. And I needed to hide my not okayness until I was okay again. So much of how we're trained. Mm-hmm. But I realized, I've realized, especially during this podcasting journey, that just by sharing what's not okay, that I can connect more with other people. I mean, and in leadership, there's that 
tightrope sometimes. Do I share how I'm human or do I not share? I mean, it always amazes me to hear that the emperor is that the emperor of North Korea yeah. has his people thinking that he doesn't poop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we all do. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, I told you, you never know what to expect on positive productivity. But seriously, yeah. everybody poops. And we don't need to be scared about those or ashamed of the not pretty sides of our life. I mean, no, of course not. You yeah. know, it's interesting because for years, the leadership literature was all about the hero. And the hero never shares the vulnerability and never, never talks about themselves. You know, I mean, even to the point of no personal information gets transmitted. And now the real work that's being done is called being authentic. Authentic leadership has become sort of the jargon sort of wording for today. But it really something. It means sharing who you are, being able to share the vulnerabilities, being able to do what you described you're feeling a certain way and you reach out and you say it. So I think that the times, certainly the the times of how we lead are lending us to become more humane for ourselves as well as for those around us. Do you think it has to do with the time that we're in though? I mean, do you think that authentic leadership would have worked as well in the past? Well, it's been working. I mean, it's been sort of a balance of well, in the in the research world, the theories have been fighting authenticity, no, heroic leadership. So it isn't that it's just happening right now. It's been slowly and steadily moving, moving through certainly the higher end of how we develop our leadership models. How it's been implemented, though, there I think that's what's changing. I think that the, the research was ahead of the time and now people are realizing you can't lead without some sense of what your own personal values are, your own mission, your your map, as you described. It may not be a map that has to be followed concretely because a map never is, but it gives you some, some sort of compass, a headway into who you are and how you want to lead. That's been becoming big for quite a while. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the leading through learning how to do that sort of work isn't new, but it never took hold completely. Is it now? I hope so. I know that he took some slack for it because of health issues. And I'm not, I don't want to be political and I'm not going to express which side or size I voted for. But one of the things that really connected me to President Obama when he was in the office was when it was uncovered that he was out on the terrace smoking. You know, that was how yeah. he, yeah, yeah. That, that was how he handled stress. Yes. And he admitted it. And he admitted it. And I was like, oh right my gosh. Out. Yeah. Right out. He's a person. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And again, I am not talking about who I voted for here, but sometimes I wish that Trump would be more like that. Like, how do you handle stress, dude? I know you drink like 18,000 Diet Cokes a day or whatever he drinks, but how does he handle stress? You know, because yeah. that's the things people want to know. They want to yeah. know who you are. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. See, that's why I'm saying I think that this forum has taken hold. We want to see the humanity of the people that we've entrusted 
because basically we've entrusted them with our lives. Right. How do you handle stress? I've been working for years on, on that particular thing, just learning how to breathe. Mm-hmm. Breathing is a huge part of it. When I'm feeling totally stressed out, learning to stop for a moment, to pause, to breathe, maybe to walk, to walk outside. Also, physical movement helps me a lot. I'm one who is, when I forget, and I make promises to myself, just like you described, when I forget to do just simple movements, I can feel the stress moving all the way up and down me. So those are a couple of things. And just trying to stay in balance and also to become grateful for what I, where I am and what I have has really helped me a lot too. Not to worry so much about what I don't do, but to be thankful for where I, what I am doing. That's taken quite a while as well. So those are some areas. And I must say, my husband reminds me when I'm off, very honestly, and that's really helpful. My husband and I try to remind each other. (laughs) Sometimes those reminders don't go so well. Just saying, (laughs) are you seriously telling me to breathe right now? Those words have come out of his mouth a few times. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, which listeners, by the way, you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP656. And the link is to my episode with Christina Miller a few years back. While we were chatting Christina kept on talking about how she had let go of worry and her faith is of utmost importance to her. My faith is of utmost importance to me. But while we were in the middle of that conversation, like I was muted the whole time sobbing on my side of the microphone because we were trying to buy the house, which we now have bought, but we were in a rent to own situation and our mortgage wasn't getting approved. So the landlord was like at the point where, if you don't pay me like a big lump sum of money to extend your rent to own contract, which was going to go towards the purchase price, and I need to put that out there, then I'm really going to have to find a new tenant or I'm just going to have to put the house on the market. And we were within no joke a day. So wow. I'm here like recording this podcast, freaking out, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Sobbing because she keeps on saying that every time she put the worry aside, that whatever she needed was there. And after we stopped recording, I just told her, I was like, thank you. You know, I was over here sobbing the whole way through. And she said, Kim, how often do you sit still and listen? I was like, what do you mean? She says, just sit still and stop worrying and just listen. I said, never, (laughs) because that was the truth. And she said, hang up, sit still and listen. And I did, and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do besides childbirth. (laughs) And I got the answer I was looking for. I knew exactly who I needed to contact, and I got the money that the landlord needed to extend us. And by the time, like for the time that that carried us through, we were able to get the mortgage and get our house. But that sit still and listen for you. Sit still and listen. Yeah. 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 So I would simply add, when you find yourself can't do that, just remember to breathe. Breathing is mm-hmm. this free thing that brings us right back to center. Yeah. You know, because the answers are there. You just described the process beautifully. The answers that we need are really readily available if we stop. We have to pause. Pause. 
I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. I could never meditate either before I started recording. I joke uh-huh. sometimes with my podcasting friends that my podcast has provided millions of dollars of free coaching because <laughs> I learned so much <laughs> from everybody. And I expressed in one episode that I couldn't meditate because my my head was just always so busy. Yeah. And the person said, well, listen to your heart then or go to your gut. Don't worry about what's in your head right now. How does your heart feel in this very moment? And that shifted it for me as well. So sitting still and listening when I'm not trying to listen to my head for the answers, but when I'm listening to my heart instead, whoo. It's such a difference. It is. It's transformative. Absolutely. Nancy, what does leading positively mean to you? Sort of the things we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Being able to stay present is number one. That's the big thing in the work that I do with with folks now. How do we stay in the moment so that we can be more effective, we can be more helpful, we can turn things that maybe are tending or trending towards the negative into a positive moment? That's, for me, critical. But to do it, we have to stay present. Then we need to do what in my program we work with endlessly, which is called attuning to the moment. So we start with presence and then we, which is about me getting centered, me getting in balance, my students getting in balance. And then attuning to the moment is once I'm there, the second piece is exactly what you're describing. How do I learn to listen actively? And we spend a lot of time teaching active listening skills in leadership that has been considered Wow, what do we need that for? And now all of a sudden people are realizing we need it more than ever. If you can't listen to what's happening, you can't make effective decisions. You can't Mm -hmm. lead positively. So that's the second piece of what I consider leading positively. So presence, attunement, and then learning to move out of our own ego space into a space that's often referred to as the we space, the space that we share together. It can be just one-on-one, the space you and I are creating right now, or it can be a group space, or it can even be an organization space learning to develop a culture that learns to listen and attune to each other. And then alignment, alignment of how people learn, how groups function, how the system develops policies and procedures that facilitate a positive environment, an environment of learning to lead from a place of, of positive energy is all part of what I consider I'm doing my work on. Does that answer? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about how all of that can be picked up from the 
corporate and business and educational space and put right yeah. into homes these days. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there is no distinction between a family system and a larger system. When you start to look at it from, from those points of view, how are people functioning together? How, am, how are people listening to each other? What are the, the policies that govern the way that this particular system functions? If it's a family, is it a sit-down family to discuss things? You know, does one person have the power over the rest of the group? That's the same in an organization. It's the same in a classroom. It's the same in a, in a marriage. It's the same thing. You know, where's the power distributed? How can we move the power into a way that there is a sharing of it? I'm not saying that all decisions should be shared. I mean, obviously not. But the decisions that can be shared to have a system move more effectively and function more smoothly, those are things that can be learned. Those all go into what I consider leading positively. Mm -hmm. My husband is very much an alpha male. Very much. (laughs) Okay, and I am very much the silent giant. Yeah. So he'll get all loud. And he has said many times in our own home, and I'm just going to share it with everybody here, that being a step-parent is the hardest job he has ever had to have. Well, that's honest. Yeah. My oldest two are 14 and 17-year-old boys from my first marriage. And for my husband, being their step-parent has been a roller coaster. Oh, I'm sure, especially with your former husband living so close. Yeah, my ex-husband listeners, if you haven't heard, is a block. He lives a block away from us. And my boys have taken on the best and the worst from him as they have from me. So, I mean, that, you know, we pass on traits to our children. But this time that we're in where we're all in close quarters has been fun. I'm just going to put it like that. It's been fun. And the act of listening has needed to become more present. I mean, I I do a lot of reading in the personal development and professional development space. So listening, I l- hear about it constantly. One of yeah. the books I'm reading right now is how to, is it how to win friends and influence people? Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of them. And then the other one is a Tony Robbins book that I can never remember the name of, uh, Awaken the Giant Within or something like that. And the two together are an amazing mix. So Tony is talking about the metaphors that we can use. That's the chapter I'm in right now. And Dale is talking about listening and, you know, leading people to what they want without even realizing that you're getting what you want in the process. Yeah. But sometimes we just, not only do we need to be still and listen for ourselves personally, but we need to be still and listen to the other person when they're talking to us. And oh my gosh, my teenagers and my husband, if you had to rank them from a zero to a 10 on their skill to be able to do that, they might get a one if I'm feeling generous. (laughs) Are they open to experimenting? It depends on the day. Because one of the things I was thinking, you could have them repeat back to each other what they just said. Oh my gosh, I would love to do that. But they, you have to get agreement from them mm-hmm. that this would be an okay. You know, you just say, can we try something new here? Yep. Oh, 
I have them Monday and Tuesday. My ex has them Wednesday and Thursday. We're recording this on a Thursday and then we alternate weekends. So the boys will be back here tomorrow. I am experimenting with their permission starting tomorrow. Yeah, it's the permission. That's the key. When you try something new with people, may I try this? May I, you know, you give people, and if they say no, say, okay, we'll try it again next week. I might even have to try that on my littles. I already do without their permission, but I'll have to do it with their permission. Because usually it's, did you hear what I just said? Yes. What did I say then? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They've done all kinds of couple studies where... You're not listening to me. Yes, I am. And they repeat it back verbatim, but the repeating it back has nothing to do with actual listening. Can you expand on that some more? I mean, I know what you mean, but I love it. And I just think it needs to be discussed. I think that what's really important is listening for underneath the listening. So you're listening for words, or you're listening for meaning, or you're listening for feelings. And What's critical is when a person is speaking, are you listening for what it is they want to convey? You know, I can I can repeat back the words somebody is saying, but someone and then I'll say, is that right? And someone will say, no. And I'll say, but I just repeated everything back to you. I'm, I'm quoting all kinds of situations I've heard over the years. And then you'll say, okay, so say it again. And they say it again. You realize it's the deepest felt emotion that's being conveyed and that requires a different kind of of listening which which is empathic listening which is the ability to highlight the emotions as well as the words or the feelings so you're listening for what somebody is conveying rather than what you think you're hearing does that make sense absolutely where do you see the words i feel having a place in leadership, or do they not have a place in leadership? I think they have a critical place. I think that we really need to think about the different ways that people process. Many people process from the mind and the cognitive. Other people process from the emotions. And everyone will tell you in the way they speak exactly where they're processing from. So if somebody is processing from the emotions and you're talking at them from a you know, a highly structural cognitive level, it's not going to land. So you need to be listening. Some people process kinesthetically. They're they're much more into sort of the arena of where the energy flows. And you talk to them cognitively, they're going to fall asleep or their eyes are going to close. So all of this is what a leader needs to be able to learn to do, to see that people learn differently, people talk differently, people function differently. And job as a leader is to be able to sort that out and respond in kind. Now, that doesn't mean you give up who you are, but you can say, you can test it out. If somebody is talking at you and you usually are a cognitive kind of a leader, you have to switch your own gear and say, are you feeling such and such? rather than are you thinking about and the words itself are you thinking are you feeling are you sensing those are the words that tell you where somebody else is processing from and where you need to learn to shift your own gears and that takes practice you know most of us are very familiar and comfortable in one way of of functioning and processing our our thoughts our feelings and our our sensing and so that's where the training can come in That's kind of long-winded. No, it's not. I can be so much more long-winded. 
not in a rambling type of way. I'm actually thinking about my 14 year old has picked up something from me in that when we're talking, we, we don't do it to be disrespectful, but when we're talking and when we're thinking, we tend to look off to gather our thoughts. And that was a little bit of a struggle with my husband for both of us because he felt like we weren't talking to him because we weren't looking at him. But I found myself, even when I'm on a live, like doing Facebook Live or Instagram Live or even in training videos that I'm putting together, I'm often looking away from the camera while I, and I, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sitting here right now talking to you. My hands are moving and I'm looking all over, like pulling my thoughts together. And it was a struggle for my husband because he felt like specifically with my son that he wasn't being respectful, that he didn't care enough to look him in the eyes and talk to him, that he wasn't listening. And I had, it's been something that we both had to talk to him about of this is, this is how our brain works. We're working to look at you more, but when we're gathering in our thoughts, it's, it's like we have a huge insect net that we're having to work around the room with our eyes to gather those words. I can't yeah. express it any else than that. No, I got it. I, I think that's, that's one of those communication pieces that you just need to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one of the simplest things is just to say, I'm really listening to you right now. I'm just processing it, how you're talking. I'm really paying attention or you can say, I'm going to practice now providing a little more support by eye gazing mm-hmm. than I'm used to, but remind you that it's difficult for me. Oh my gosh, it's so difficult. It makes me yeah. so uncomfortable sometimes. And, and, it's and that's not, true. And, and I remember actually sitting at the lunch table in eighth grade and my best friend from middle and, and high school said to me, Kim, you know, you never look at me in the eyes when you're talking to me. And I don't know, nobody had ever, it was never taught to me in my family and it was never brought up before then. And in that moment, snap. And I really, I started working on it, but it's still a struggle sometimes. It's just, it gets, it puts me outside of my comfort zone. But now that I'm starting to even speak from stages, yeah, making that eye contact with as many people as I can while I'm speaking from stage and letting them know, yes, I see you. I'm looking at you. My littles, by the way, are challenging me on this as well because they love to have staring contests. Oh, see, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where you can practice Mm -hmm. because it's, there's not a lot of, you know, just doing it with those that, what you said, they're five. Five and six. Yeah five and six, they're not going to judge you. They're just delighted to have you practice. So that might be a great way for you to practice how to do it. And then also the ability to to do it on stage means you're also able to do it off stage. Mm -hmm. My experience is you don't, you can't just do this. You've got to learn it. Like I spent three weeks at the beginning of the semester with one of my classes. We're actually practicing literally that. How do we tune in? How do we look at each other? And, you know, I would say to them, this is a laboratory, so giggles are fine. Right here and now, you can giggle with this all you want to. But then we have to discuss how how much discomfort there is in this for you, because in the work you're going to do when you leave here, you're going to have to know how to do this. 
And you also have to know when it's not appropriate. It is not appropriate in certain cultures to look people in the eye. So that's the, uh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, students that have come from other cultures have a devil of a time with it because it's just something that is, it's so ingrained not to do it. It's considered disrespectful or so it's learning the balance between where you're comfortable with it, where it's appropriate and where it is needed. It's clearly needed with your husband. Mm -hmm. It may not be so needed in some of the work you're doing and it's needed with your littles. You know, while you were just saying that I could see Meryl Streep in the movie, the devil wears Prada Uh like in my brain. And she doesn't look at people because she's put herself on a pedestal five, you know, five levels up from anybody else. Yeah. Unless, unless she thought that they were at the same level or higher than her, then she didn't have time to look at them. And that's definitely not how I want my husband to feel. You know, I don't, I don't feel at all that I'm at a higher pedestal. We are at the same pedestal or on the same level and we're being circled by the sharks of our children. <laughs> so you're swimming with the shark. We totally are. <laughs> I think with your husband, it's a question of just, you know, adjusting to the the two different ways that you process information together, mm-hmm. and that it's wonderful that he's able to speak about it, and that you're able to speak about it. That's part of the battle. It's when we don't. When we submerge it, when we say, oh, she's not listening to me. I'm never going to share another thing with her as long as I live. That's what often happens in communication. And that's avoidable. Have you been in our house? (laughs) Where's the security camera? Because those words have come out. You're not listening to me. I'm not going to tell you how I'm feeling anymore because you're just not listening. Listeners, if you experience any of this, like, please head on over to the show notes and leave a comment. Like, I'd love to know what it's been like in your house, in your business. Yeah, me too. Now or in the past and what strategies you've used to overcome it. And again, the show notes are at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP656. I want to share when I was, so my first husband and I got married very quickly after we found out that we were pregnant. Uh We were we were both raised Catholic. The church wasn't going to let us get married that quickly until they found out that I was pregnant. But we had to go to pre-Cana. I'm no longer considering myself Catholic. I just, I don't know why uh-huh. I felt the need to say that. But we had pre-Cana, which is like before marriage classes. And we're sitting there. And one of the teachers, it wasn't even a priest who was there, said, when you're in the midst of a heated fight, the best way to break the tension is just start fighting naked. So just take your clothes off and start <laughs> fighting naked because the moving body parts will just throw the other person off guard. <laughs> I was thinking about the other day, like it's the last thing that I wanted to do because I was so not in the mood, but my husband and I were ha- having a little bit of a heated argument. And I was like, you know, I could just use what, what I learned there. But it was like, that's just going to turn them on. And I'm still not in the mood right now. <laughs> but, I often try to think of, you know, what's that thing that can be done to break the tension yeah. in this moment? So, yeah. 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 It, it's, that's the thing, the pause, the not getting hooked. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all do. I mean, mm-hmm. please, it's a normal struggle. But it's when you can intervene in that hook, you know, the hook that says, I'm angry, I'm this, I'm that. 
that's when you can make a change towards the positive. But it takes work. A lot of work. It takes a lot of work. I in no way want to minimize it. I think they've retired from the show now, but Daniel Tiger on PBS oh, yeah. was, is full of all these little life lessons. And one of them is when you're feeling mad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and which actually, is brilliant. brilliant. It is. It's absolutely brilliant. brilliant. I need to let you all know that my husband has not liked it when I started singing that in the middle of an argument. <laughs> like, <laughs> because sometimes... It, he, he's not as good at just being quiet and listening. So I've actually sang that to him just to get him to be quiet and listen for a moment. Like, just count to four before you say anything. <laughs> so you said he's the alpha male. That would be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we're in huh. some challenging times right now, but what are you most excited about in the months ahead? Besides getting out of your house and going to the grocery store without a mask on. Yeah, well, I think I'm most excited about really thinking about being back on campus in September, teaching on campus, implementing some of these things that we've been planning for so long, like the Leadership Summit. I'm holding the vision that we're going to hold it on campus rather than virtual. I'm excited to get back walking again. It's beautiful now. And that can happen right now. Don't need to wait on that one. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things. Some projects that I've been working on for a very long time, in some cases, are starting to come to fruition. And I'm really excited to to really get into designing some of it over the summer. I'm hoping we'll be back on campus. But if not, that's okay. Going to do it from this little room here. I'm excited to go away with my nieces in July. We're holding that it's going to happen. Where are you going? Every year we we meet someplace new. This year we're meeting in Newport, actually Newport, Rhode Island, just because we wanted to do it. But we've been going every. This is our seventh summer doing it, and we just get together for two nights, the three of us. I imagine later on there'll be more nieces that join, but right now that's what it is. And we just hang out. So I'm really looking, I am really looking forward to that. Mm. That's beautiful. Where can listeners connect with you, find you online and get to know more about everything that you do? The best place right now is nancy.gordon at salve.edu. You can find me there. I think for right now, that's probably the easiest. Okay. And they can email me or we can set up conference calls. It doesn't, all of that's possible now. Absolutely. And you have a headset that is. I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I can set up WebEx meetings, (laughs) which which is the uh, major outcome of this, of this last month. Mm Mm-hmm. So we just, at the time of this recording, we just gone through Easter weekend and my, my parents divorced when I was young, but both my mom's side and my dad's side both decided that we were going to do Zoom calls to connect. Uh My mom, God love her. She can't figure out how to get her microphone to work. 
So she she knows the letters in sign language. So she was trying to sign us because she didn't realize that she could put what she wanted to say in chat. And then we tried to do FaceTime call with her on the iPhone afterwards, like a group FaceTime. And she couldn't figure out how to answer the phone. So mom, we're going to be working with you for the rest of the summer, probably just it's amazing. I mean, my sister and I are both six to eight hours from her in opposite directions. Uh-huh. So this, I see that out of this physical distancing that we figured out how to be closer. Yes. But it's unfortunate that it took this for it to happen because we could have been having family Zoom calls weekly, you know, for years now. And we yeah. hope to see it continue. Yeah, that's so. Those are some of the traditions that can stay and be sustained mm-hmm. going forward. Absolutely. Well, Nancy, this has been so lovely. I can see why it was supposed to happen today and why it didn't happen months ago. So, thank you for your patience with me. Oh, thank you for yours with me. It was an equal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with the listeners? Trust yourself. Find that space in you that you can function from in a positive way and share it. And listen to your own advice by doing exactly what Kim said. Stop. Just stop and pause and listen. And the answers will come to you. And I guess my real parting is may we all be safe and healthy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Ah!